2: What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 216. I am here tonight with Ryan. Tyler's fucking off somewhere, but we also have Devin on from the Hockey Writers tonight and also from the Fake Grindline Podcast. Devin, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, honestly kind of a dream come true to be on this show. To be on the the real Grindline Podcast. that.
0: That bar needs to go a lot higher.
2: Devin says it's a dream come true, and Ryan's eating a full-ass bowl of cereal on camera or something. It's time out. It's macaroni.
0: <laughs> They're pa- pasta shells with dino nuggies mixed in. So. Oh, my God. Are you a kindergartner? Yes. Okay. Well, it's, you have ch- small children. It's fair. Yeah. It's sounds totally like the
1: fair. dinner of champions to me.
2: It's Mo Cider's favorite di- uh, food we learned today is pasta. We learned that today on Mo Monday. See, Chelsea made it up in homage,
0: and we didn't even realize it.
2: Yeah, we also learned that Mo Sider is the youngest defenseman to record so many multi-point games since Lidstrom under the age of I think it was 21. So Moe's, and then I had to make a gross picture of Mo Sider's face mixed with Lidstrom's face and it's I gave him the mullet and everything. It's fantastic. were <laughs> told to
0: banish yourself to the depths of hell by by Rowan.
2: That's a that's a normal uh normal Monday, Ryan. Um uh, but Devin, how are you?
1: Man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to talk some wings with you guys. How about you?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, We split a, I think where we'll start, and we'll start tonight with the beating the Boston Bruins. I mean, we lost to them first, and then we beat them. And the losing to them, it can go either way. I've got some problems with some calls. People like killed Larkin for not being able to back check after being knocked on his ass, which in what should have been a hooking penalty, probably, uh, but... It was a good that game itself, besides the second period, was a good game. And then we come back and we just I feel like for that whole game, except for the third period, we pretty much controlled that whole game. And we end up beating being one of the only 10 teams to beat Boston in regulation this season. And. I mean, it was a strong win. And to come out and look like that, and you're going against Tyler Bertuzzi for the second time, they did a video for him on the board. Mm-hmm. They did their nice little tribute. And then to go out and look like that, not give him, not be embarrassed by Bertuzzi, because you know he wanted to get something. But it was just, I felt really good after that win. And the fan base was kind of quiet. So I feel like they also felt good after that win because it kind of showed that we still we got it. And even losing the pieces that we lost can compete like that with the best team in the league, even though, again, officiating was terrible in that game, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, in my thought, I like you couldn't have asked for a bigger win at a better time against like a better team as well. Because, as well. Um, like you said, you know, emotional night, especially the second, uh, the second game, emotional day. They're going up against for Tuesday. they're playing the tribute video. Um, you know, all the ingredients were there for a letdown of sorts, right? Like I, I know I was expecting kind of a uh, a brutal back-to-back set, and like you said, um, they didn't just like play well. You could argue that they were the better team between the two over the course of the two games. Um, they definitely were the better team through at least half of the six periods, right? If you're if you're in that locker room right now and you're not feeling really good about yourself, I don't know what you're doing because that's a quality couple of games against the best team in the league right now. And to do it against, like you said, against Bertuzzi and to not let the emotions overcome you and kind of overshadow the moment. I don't know if you could have asked for a better performance.
0: I was bummed to have missed the games, but Adrian had uh, her swimming tournament championship thing. It was the YMCA. They had a big thing going on. So I missed missed Saturday and Sunday, but I was able to at least watch A. Woods highlights from Sunday's game because I chose to, you know, pick the game that they won to be happy about it. From everything that I saw and from what I was able to listen to on the radio, the team showed up to play. Much like we've seen throughout the season, that's all you really could have asked for. I mean, the, the exception being two games right before the deadline that we can point at and be like, wow, what was this? But Don't we tend to do that against the good teams,
2: though? We are yeah, so that, good that's against good I teams. They,
0: they They've played up against Boston. They've played great games against Toronto. They've played great games against Tampa and beaten Tampa, the Rangers, all these teams that you see that are in the playoffs right now, they've either taken to the wire and last second, just something happened or they've won and they've made it look good. Like I I don't get it. It's frustrating, but at the same time, it's positive energy. I'm going to go with, if you will, to looking forward, because a lot of the guys that are here are going to be here next year. You got Larkin going out there busting his ass every game again, which I finally watched that 20-minute video that was posted of him uh, with his captaincy. That was fantastic. I highly recommend. But I, I mean, from what I saw, Mo is really come to form throughout as the season progressed. You just mentioned the highlight for him. Let me pull it back up and read it exact here. Yeah, Cider per the Red Wings today is 15th career multi-point game. That was his seventh multi-point game of the season, and it marked his fifteenth career multi-point game, passing Nick Lidstrom for the franchise record by a defenseman before the age of 22. Everything that he does, he keeps cementing himself right there, set next to some of the top names in Red Wings defensive history. Moritz Lidstrom, man, or hashtag German Lidstrom, as uh, Andrew Sports Andrew put on there from earlier, but. No, it's I mean, everything that you watched from this weekend, thats one of the things you would have hoped for as they continued through the all star break. It's frustrating, but at the same time, I, uh, the biggest thing we talked about is, are they going to be be playing meaningful games up to March? And they did. So to me, the, they're likely there's seven points out all likelihood. They're not making it because other teams are still better and they're still winning and putting points points up in the standings. But they're still making noise and i think at this point of the season it's all you can ask for
2: yeah and i think we mentioned it last week too it's like they kind of they're kind of viewing this as their playoffs these games in march that they they haven't really had a reason what an to atmosphere play. too yeah and they haven't really had a reason to to play for anything besides not being embarrassed the past like handful of years in in march and it's good like you said seven points out of a playoff spot which I think with 20 something games left is not super reachable, but actually it's less than 20 games left is you're not probably going to take that spot from a Pittsburgh or take that spot from the Islanders. It's not looking like the Sens. the Sens sends to themselves and doesn't look like they're going to be getting into the playoffs here either.
0: I'm not counting. See it six, seven points though. A lot can happen really quickly. Sure,
2: but we still have one of the hardest strength of schedules. That's the yeah. other thing you have I mean, to look at. We close out with Tampa, Pittsburgh, Carolina. Yeah, our matchups are not favorable, so they gotta go on a run. Yeah, and that's hard to do right now. Like teams like are getting hot when they need to get hot. The Penguins are playing better than they've played for a long stretch. So it's it's getting hot and staying hot. Now, maybe this is a statement win. I mean, regardless, I think it's a statement win to say the Red Wings are still a team that is that is good, like they're better than last year. They show they can compete with one of the better teams in the league and that maybe it kind of reinvigorates them because Lalone even said, hey, emotional hangover. These guys are upset because their friends got traded away. And Eiserman even said the same thing in his interview. So maybe this is kind of a game where, OK, you play Burton back to back you get over the hump and maybe you start another run. And I'm going to say that seven points this late is kind of hard to make up, but again, not impossible. The only thing is we lost those games at hand that we had on a lot of the other teams. We had a really big advantage and we lost games in the important part of of that little stretch where, where we held that advantage and we're playing teams like Ottawa that we were right neck and neck with. But the Boston win I will take, the weekend I will take, And I think it's a good step forward to finish out the season because, again, Ryan, meaningful games in March is all you could have hoped for with this team. And I think they're they're doing exactly
0: what you ask them to do. And they beat the Blackhawks. Yeah. And they beat the Blackhawks. Which is always beautiful.
2: It's all that matters. (laughs) Uh, But I think a player that I want to point out during this weekend and one that was called up after the trade deadline was Alex Chason. Alex Chason just seems to be breathing life into this power play. He's become a great net front guy. He's taking away vision. He seems to have decently quick hands in front of the net, made a beautiful pass to set up Larkin for a goal, and in five games played with the Red Wings, has four points. Now, he's an NHL vet. He's 32 years old. He was drafted in 2009 by the Dallas Stars. In 636 NHL games, he has 228 points, so he's not a big point producer, but I think On this team, he can carve himself out a role, even though he didn't get much of a chance. He was signed to Grand Rapids and then quickly emergency signed to a Red Wings contract because we didn't want to mess up with the young kids down there. And Elmer's been there for
0: 10 days.
2: Yeah. and, (laughs) And Grand Rapids in 29 games played, he had 20 points. So I think he's still got some left in the tank. I wouldn't mind maybe signing him for a year as a sunny replacement. Like Ryan said, before we started recording, he's done more than Sundquist, uh recently. And it just seems like, again, he's relishing this. The, all the videos you watch of him and his interviews, this is like he's like, this is my shot. I am so grateful to be able to come back and play NHL games. I'm going to show them I can still do this and he's doing
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned he's uh, kind of filling Sunquist's spot. I also think he's he's kind of filling um like a Rasmussen's spot a little bit too because he's got the size, he can play that net front role. Yeah, he, he's a
0: deceiving 6'4. I just realized yep, that.
1: Yep, yep. And you know, the thing about Sonny, um, him sit playing for Sonny, you almost think he's uh also kind of filling in Michael Rasmussen's spot. Um, you know, Jason's big, he can play that net front role. Um, and I feel like if Rasmussen was healthy, that's where Ras would be. But alas, he's not. Sunny's in Minnesota now, and Chaseon uh, definitely has a big opportunity. Definitely had a big opportunity kind of land in his lap, but he's making the most of it, like you said. Um, it's kind of a nifty, uh, nifty thing for the Red Wings to, you know, pawn off Sunny for a fourth round pick and then insert Chaseon, this 600 game veteran, and get better if or get equal, if not better, results out of him.
0: It's, it's been kind of the luck of the draw for them between Shayson and Zarnick. They have come when they've been called upon to be in Detroit. They've done exactly what you would hope for. Even Luff, yeah, and yeah. Luff when he hasn't getting randomly hurt out of nowhere in, in back-to-back games. But no, Shayson. I mean, he, he brings that size you mentioned there, Devin. With Raz being gone, Sonny traded. Now you've got Shayson who is six four, which you're not going to get any complaints out of Eiserman at this point because we've seen the trend of what he's kind of gone towards. So he's bringing that net front that we can tell that they've been abusing this season and last season with uh, the power play in particular. And it's paid dividends. And he's making other people in that situation better around him, which is all you can really ask for at this point in the season. And I, like I said, I didn't get to watch it like in detail this weekend. But all the hype has been about what he's been able to do for this power play and how he, he kind of he's, he's opening it up more or less because now you're getting that down low presence, especially if it's on either the goal line or right in front. So you got guys collapsing on you, which opens up the bumper with Larkin, which we've are, we saw get abused this weekend. It's opening up the, 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 the umbrella around the outside with Perron, Sider, Raymond. Things were happening that we were kind of like, OK, where's this been? But now. Not saying that's not going to be there with Raz and guys like that, but you see what I'm saying.
2: I feel like we've had a problem and it's not a feeling. I know we've had a problem with guys being not afraid, but reluctant to go stand in front of the goalie to get in the dirty area and get pushed around or push people around and take Everyone's away afraid that visibility. Of the puck now. And now we have chase on who's the vet clearly, who can come in and and will do whatever you ask of him because it's his opportunity to do so. So you're saying, go stand in front of the goalie, go block that view, take the eyes away, and just be kind of a menace up in front, and it helps that he's got the hands to, to also chip in. So I think that's a big, it's a big plus. And, like, I'm not so much for signing guys that are over 30. I kind of have this rule right now where if you're over 30, it's the wrong side of it. And we're trying to stay young. But when you look at adding and I'm not saying chase on is David Perron, but when you look at adding David Perron and what he's brought to the team as far as leadership and veteran presence. And now you you sign a guy like chase on to a, a emergency NHL contract and bring him up to provide kind of that presence and stability. And he's he's hungry. He wants it. That I think it's it's kind of goes along the same vein where when you're building a contender and you're building a team that we hope gets to the playoffs next season. I think that's everyone's hope and, and kind of an expectation for me is that we're in the playoffs next season that you need a couple of these guys that are older guys that have games under their belts to help along people like the Michael Rasmussen's like the not necessarily cider, but like Raymond And it's, it'll be interesting, I think, to see, because I think you might see two or three guys over 30 on the team next season that are just there for that, that purpose. Like we've got another year of Perron, you might keep a chase on depending on how he finishes out the season, maybe he finishes out the season. And if he's half a point per game to finish out the season, or even maybe a little lower, I think he's worth keeping in a fourth line role as a, as maybe a power play specialist kind of guy. So I'm very happy with what he's been able to do, how he's shown, like you said, Ryan, he's a big guy, he's 208. And Devin, he's making the most out of the opportunity he's been given, and, and it's it's really paying off for him, and he seems rather excited to be here. I think that's the big thing is, Iserman wants guys that want to be here, and he wants another shot in the league to, to who will give it to him. I mean, last season he played 67 games with the Canucks and had 22 points. And that's really not much. He hasn't had a big season since 2018-19. And by big, I mean 38 points in 73 games in Edmonton.
0: So, yeah, he, he's he's a Sonny. He's a, a, another version of that. Now, if he can provide some more offense, which really, if you look at the stat line, there's not a whole lot of difference there. But it's an impact right away, which is kind of all you can hope for. And that's kind of what we saw with Sonny when he was brought in as well. So, I don't know. You're you're going to run into these guys that are going to be older. We could end up seeing trades happen where we're seeing older guys come in. It's not going to be into the world, but are they going to make the team better? I think you can argue, like you mentioned, Peron, He made this team better and has made this team better. Now, he's also put them in some shitty situations because his temper doesn't unfortunately get the best of him. Um, But as a whole, the impact is there. There's a reason he's on that first power play unit. And now you see Chase on come in there and work with them, and it's like They've been playing together for years when they hadn't. So those are the impacts that you got to be keeping an eye on as we as fans to see what's going to move the needle. And is it going to be chase on? Who knows? But you're going to need depth guys regardless on this team. Not necessarily all young guys, which I know I think for many of us would be the best case scenario. But also, I mean, who's that going to be at this point? So.
2: Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit after our next topic, because the free agent market is rough with a capital R. (laughs) It is
0: Uh, absolutely awful. The only Uh, hope in pasta is gone. So,
2: yeah, we're not we're not getting any pot. Mo Mo ate the pasta. It's all gone. Uh, The next thing I want to talk a little bit about. And we missed it last week because we had Danielle on and we had to cover trade deadline and we had to do our mailbag questions. But the Red Wings did sign. A free agent out of the QMJHL and Alex Doucette from the Halifax Mooseheads. He is six foot, 187 pounds. He's listed as a center and a winger. Um, Versatile, I guess, in that respect. Shoots left, so not the handedness we really want right now, but it's the handedness we'll take. In his last 10 games, he has six goals and seven assists for 13 points. He has two hat tricks within that time period. On the season, he has 25 goals and 23 assists for 48 points in 30 games. He is projected at 70 games to have 111 points this season. This kid seems like a, a bit of a highlight reel. Like I said, he plays for Halifax. He was traded from Valdeor uh, earlier this season. And I mean, his numbers really kind of jump at you. I, I don't know why he was undrafted. Uh, he was kind of low scoring in 2019 20 with 37 points in 62 games. He jumped kind of a little bit in 2020 21, but only played 36 games. And then he played another 68, but had 75 last season. So maybe a late bloomer, maybe a guy Eiserman can hit on, seems to have the offensive talent. But where I want to tell everyone to pump the brakes. Is that if we remember another famous player that we know very well that played for the Halifax Mooseheads and absolutely lit it up in uh, Philip Zadina, and how we have seen that maybe translate to the NHL? I want to tell everyone, pump the brakes a bit before we say we've got another. I don't Anthony know
0: Mantha.
2: another Anthony Mantha, or uh, we don't. I don't think we have a Kucherov, but I have a little bit of hope because he seems more like a multi-talented kind
1: of kid. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I, I do think anybody who comes out of the queue, you have to take with a little bit of grain of salt because that's a very offense-first league.
0: I'm hoping it's not just the fact that he's, what, 20, 21 years old? And he is 21. Up on a lot of kids at this point because he was the first to 50 in the queue this year, is what, if I remember the tweet correctly. It's a double-edged sword. I mean, the, the guy's got a great shot. You can tell that his puck handling's on point when he gets in tight. He's able to make a little bit of something out of nothing. Now, that brings the question, why did no team take him up to this point? Like He went undrafted, 21 years old, and now all of a sudden, boom, we have some, he's getting picked up. I mean, you could k- kind of argue maybe that it's like a college free agent signing at this point because of his age. I mean, I think the ideal situation and maybe what Iserman could be seeing here is that you might have one or two forwards from Grand Rapids, vying for a Red Wings roster spot next season. One of those could very well be, if healthy, Cross hannis. I think that's the knock on wood, fingers crossed, if all beautiful things happen. Not said fingers crossed. (laughs) other one could be Marco Casper. Don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, you're going to want to give these guys weapons. We were really excited about how this season was going to look, and then they just kind of shit the bed. So any option at this point, if he's going to be going to Grand Rapids, I think you take it. And if he can be there, make an impact of any sort of which way, it's it's a win. I don't think it, it's a it's not a there's no losing situation here, in my opinion.
2: So we just subscribed to Elite Prospects. Uh, that is a thing I think everyone should do now because it's amazing. Their content the is fantastic. I was trying to log into that. <laughs> it's in the chat. It's in our chat. The password, I, I Ryan.
0: I'm looking through it. That's what I've been trying. I've been staring yeah, at my like,
2: freaking. Do a little search. There should be a little search button you can use. Uh, But David St. Louis, uh, scouting report on Set from March 7th, 2020. And I'm just going to read the negatives because I think we've seen the positives. And I think he's maybe overcome some of these negatives. So he says, a little bit of deception, more so high precision. Unfortunately, his skating projects as below average. He isn't as involved as he could be defensively. And I don't see him shoot. Not last night, not ever. So I think that's one thing that maybe he's done a little bit more of is shoot the puck. And his skating to me doesn't look terrible. Uh, He goes on to say, if I was a gambling man, I'd take him in the seventh round and hope he develops his speed. But I probably won't push to include him on the board, even if it's only his first season in the queue. And even if he doesn't get power play time consistently, his numbers lag behind. He's a player to watch as a potential signing target down the line. I think he becomes one of the better playmakers in the queue in two to three years, which it seems like he's become one of the better playmakers and scorers in the queue. And I think Ryan, you said what? He's the first player to 50 points this season. So goals. Yeah, between Valdior and Halifax, 50 goals this season. So it seems like he's I mean, when he's shooting the puck, the the good things are happening. David St. Louis actually later in January, or no, actually it was before in January, he had another one that said he caught his eye with his ability to make plays through multiple defenders. Uh, But he's largely unimpactful for large stretches of games. He doesn't have the speed to push back defenses and is very dependent on support being available. Right now, he remains a power play weapon only, which again, based on this season, he seems to have overcome all of the negatives about him that have been laid out.
1: I think worst case scenario, um, he basically becomes a shooting Taro Hirose that can maybe come up and play some games and fr- produce some offense, but just lights it up in the American Hockey League and is like a solid piece you can have down there to uh, develop your guys with. And ultimately, I don't think that's like a terrible thing.
0: No, I mean, Yeah. Hirose leading the Grand Rapids in points right now. So if you've got a guy that's going to come out scoring more goals than Hirose in Grand Rapids, that's a win. And he's two inches taller than Hirose, and he's
2: about 12 pounds heavier right now. So that's another thing, too. I mean, he's younger. I think he's got that time to develop. If you go back and look now, granted, Tara Hirose never played in the queue, but he did play in the NCAA he had a 50-point season, his senior season in Michigan. Or his, I guess it would have been a sophomore season at Michigan State because he only played three seasons there. But he had kind of a, not a similar production, but I think maybe a similar play style. And But now, again, Hiroshi has come up. He's played games. He's looked decent doing it. But he always goes back to the A. And I think Tar Hiroshi is going to be a very good AHL player for a very long time. And you need guys like that to help the Griffins be good, because right now they're not very good. They're out of the playoffs. Last I checked by like, uh was it nine points with 18 games remaining or something like that? So they're pretty far out. And I think with them being that far out, you may see guys start coming up to Detroit. Uh Maybe if Elmer was healthy, I think he probably would have been a call up. But i on I'm Doucette, I'm happy with it i guess it's a guy that it's a zero sum it's a i mean it's a zero cost bet eiserman has is investing absolutely nothing in this besides a contract and uh, to me it's if you win you win if you don't you cut the player to plays in the ahl until their contract runs out and they either sign another ahl contract or they go to another team so Mm -hmm. i'll take players for free instead of having to give up assets for them
0: Best part is, is they got plenty of contracts to work with right now. And there's going to be more falling off next year because right now they sit at 44 out of 50 per cat friendly because they have that 50 roster man limit. So, yeah, you you can't be too upset with it. And I mean, granted, we do want to see him here rather than in the queue and see what can happen. But as you mentioned, there's a last place in their division and second to last in the conference right now, then that being Grand Rapids. So. Unfortunately, I think the uh, the playoff ship has sailed.
2: Yeah, and the Red Wings are going to have to hit the cap floor next season. That's what's going to have to happen, because we shed a lot of a lot of salary. And our biggest contract is going to be Dylan Larkett at his 8.7. And we're going to have spaces to fill. I mean, we've got some forward spaces to fill with Pia Suter, Adam Ernie and Alex Chase on up as UFAs. Valeno's an RFA. I don't think he's going to get a terribly huge raise. Osterley is a UFA Gustav Lindstrom is an ARB-eligible RFA that you might let walk. Uh, Robert Haig,
0: God, bye. Yeah. I've been more happy with Haig than Lindstrom, and that says a lot. I would bring Haig back as an 8, a 7-8 over Lindstrom all day right now, which I hate to say because when Lindstrom came up, we loved him. I think we, I can collectively say that. Devin, I'm not sure for you. But I know for on our side, we love we love Lindstrom. He was making plays. He was a great shutdown guy. I shouldn't say great, but he was an effective shutdown guy. A shutdown guy. Yeah, but he wasn't doing the shit that we saw the last year and a half, which is turn the puck over, not shut down anything to include the ice on the ice. So it was just no. Hey, at least can hit somebody and piss him off and then fight back a little bit. Like Lindstrom can't even do that. So. Sorry. No, I, I I agree. No, Lindstrom's one of my biggest disappointments this year because
1: expectations weren't so high for him. I mean, that's not a bad comparison. Like I, I didn't expect Lindstrom to be like a top four guy. I just expected him to be a steady, bottom bearing guy. And he hasn't even been that. And that's uh like you said, Greg, I think that's somebody you could you could very easily walk away from and not feel too too torn up about it.
2: I think the next contract you're gonna have probably come in. I'm thinking this summer will probably be a Mo Sider. And I think Iserman has kind of alluded to Cider's a guy we need to sign. Do you wait another year on Lucas Raymond? I don't think it's an issue to wait another year on Lucas Raymond at this point. Because he has not, he's also done very, now don't get me wrong, Lucas Raymond's done very well. He again has some of the most multi-point games in, in Red Wings history for a player under 21. He's breaking records too, but he is not, we thought maybe Lucas Raymond comes in and again, it's a sophomore season, but we thought maybe he gets 20 more points than he had last season. And it looks like he's going to work to hit his point totals from
0: last season. So and the I best case maybe, scenario that we were going for did not happen.
2: No, but I think maybe you, you can wait another year and maybe it's okay. Cause then you spread it out a little bit more, but I think most cider signs this summer. I think that is something that Iserman going to want to lock up before he explodes more than he already has and starts breaking more records and getting more awards. I think you need to lock Sider up before he starts getting Norris votes, because that's when you get into some pretty pricey territory. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Only DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. So I think uh, the other decisions we have to make, though, is who's our backup goaltender? What do we do? I mean, Mark Pissick hasn't played a game this season. He's a UFA. So does Iserman try the Pissick experiment again and hope he can actually skate? But these, it kind of leads into offseason moves that need to be made. And I think at the top of my list is you need to get heavier and heavier. I mean, guys that are willing to push back, guys that are willing to not necessarily fight because everyone's like, we need fighters. We need enforcers. We don't. We need guys that play an aggressive-style game but can also put up points. And I had mentioned Tom Wilson in the past. I will mention Tom Wilson until I'm blue in the face because I think he's a guy that, if Washington is serious about a rebuild, I'm not sure holds on to a guy like Tom Wilson. Even though it might piss Ovi off, maybe they trade a guy like that. We don't need a Ryan Reeves. We don't need a DeLaurier, who is another one people are now calling for us to go get. What? Yeah, we need a Facebook. guy... No, no, Twitter. It's our, it's our friend that makes fun of me on Twitter constantly. Oh, oh. <laughs> who would constantly bring back uh, Luke Witkowski if he
0: could. Oh, why, why would you mention him right now? Of all the names not to bring up, it's I'm not even going to say his name. Kyle Quincy. He, the deafening silence of
2: Ryan after Kyle Quincy's name is mentioned. Son of a bitch. Is the best thing
0: we will ever do on this show. You want to enlighten Devin of my disdain for that motherfucker, Kyle Quincy? Listen, Ryan,
2: do. Ryan doesn't think we should have traded a first round pick for Kyle Quincy that eventually went on be- to become Vasilevsky. Ryan just thinks that was a bad idea. You think? <laughs> and I
1: don't think that's a controversial opinion. <laughs> yeah, there's no hot takes on this show, Ryan.
0: Yeah, son of a bitch.
2: Uh, but we do have moves to make in the offseason. I think being big, getting bigger is one. And then I think backup goalie is one where the name Carter Hart
1: really stands out to me. I think a lot's going to be talked about when it comes to the Red Wings goaltending situation. And I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Carter Hart between now and uh, when, you know, everything starts to happen. Because that is a really big name that only just recently kind of got out there into, uh, you know, these types of conversations. Um I, I don't know. I'm I'm curious what you guys think. Is that is that somebody you think the wings should go after?
2: Uh, yeah. Why not? Elliot Friedman did report that Carter Hart is probably going to be available because he doesn't see a situation in Philadelphia that they are moving in the right direct right direction or that they're going to get the opportunities that someone like Carter Hart is going to want. And I think someone like Carter Hart, if you've got now, again, I think we may have jinxed the goalie tandem before this season by saying that Ned and Huso could be one of the best goalie tandems in the league. And yeah. then Ned played for the Griffins for a long time. But I think that Carter Hart, who again is on a bad Philly team, who has had some down seasons, who you might be able to get for decently cheap.
0: He's 24 years old. He'll be and 25 at the start of next season
2: go back and remember and thanks again to Geo to Lego rocks 99 on YouTube for for making our tweet the sole content of one of his uh, his videos today but go back and, and watch Carter Hart's video from the the world Juniors. go back and, and look at Carter Hart when he played in Juniors himself and the talent is there and something like that I mean for a goalie generally just doesn't go away. And even his first season in Philly, he had a very good season. So we know he can play pro hockey. I just think it's the situation that might be wearing on him a little bit. The people you're putting in front of him. I think he needs a team that's a little further ahead. And Philly seems to be going backwards.
1: I agree. And the thing about it, too, is like you said, he's 24 going on 25. Veli Husso didn't like become an NHL goalie until he was 26. So Hart's already kind of ahead of the curve on that end. Um, I so my thing with this is, I just want to know what Philly wants. So I think there's there's definitely a price they'll seek. and and I think that's kind of where this falls is you know, how much is too much. what what do you guys think? How much is too much for Carter Hart?
2: I think if if you could give Philly and again, if you could give him a third round pick and a B prospect, or if you say a second round pick for Carter Hart because if he wants out, if he's going to request a trade, When a player formally requests a trade, you have to move things around to attempt to trade him. That's the thing. Um, At at that point, it's a I want out, so get me out kind of situation. Going into this draft, you've got three second round picks. You've got your third round pick going into next year's draft. You don't really have anything extra in round two and three, but you've got an extra fourth. Maybe if you could get him for a third and a B prospect. Maybe if you could get him for a second round pick. Maybe St. Louis's second round pick. I'm not trading a first for Carter Hurt, but again, it's this kind of thing where we've seen Iserman in the past, and Geo talked about this too. Go out and trade for a Ned and see what he's got there. Go out and trade for a Huso and, and see what he can bring in. And Huso's been very good this season, regardless of what Dom from the Athletics cards say about Billy Huso and he should only be on a leak minimum contract it's it's i think and again we're going to have a backup hole i don't think they re, they could resign Hellberg, and i think he'd be an okay option but he he will be 33 and if you could go out and get hart and maybe take some of that load off of huso because as good as huso's been huso's played a ton of hockey and i think that's one of the big things is if you could lighten his game load by 20 games i think you see a much sharper huso every night if Carter Hart is maybe in a in a split where he's taking a little less than what Huso's got, I mean Hart's played forty eight games this season too. He's had a two nine six goals against with a nine oh six save percentage, which isn't bad. That's not a bad as far as goaltending is going in the league this season. That's not bad.
0: You put him and Huso together, they're they're in a pretty damn good spot.
2: Again, right? You you split them a little more, and you you could have two. Relatively young, and Huso is going to be older than Hart. Relatively young goaltenders, and I think the other play that comes in here is Sebastian Kosa on fucking fire in Toledo. Like, oh my god, he's going. They're going to ride Kosa and in, in hopefully win a championship this season. But I still think Kosa is two to three seasons away from being an NHL backup. And by that time, if Hart catches back on, Huso is a little older. Maybe he's still playing well. You've got a piece you can move. You've got your goaltender of the future to come in and play backup. And maybe you have a rejuvenated Carter Hart. At that point, we'll be like 26 years old, right in the position Husso is in currently. And I think it's just a situation where if it's not going to cost you a lot, I think it's something you absolutely have to look into.
0: I mean, you could argue that a second would cost you a lot. But to your point, at the same time, you have three second round picks. We
2: have so many picks, this season, Ryan. which is huge.
0: That would, I think, lighten the blow. I mean, I think a lot of fans will look at it and be like, why are you giving away a second-round pick? It's because there's three of them. As long as it's not the Red Wings' pick, which, I mean, uh, you could argue any second-round pick, yes, I know, it can happen. It could be the next Pasternak or whatever. If you have the opportunity to go for a goalie like this, now, I I feel like it's deja vu or history repeating itself with our conversation last year when Husa was brought in. We thought that Huso-Ned combo, I I said it very explicitly several times, I think that that could be one of the top tandems in hockey. You kind of run into getting ahead of yourself, maybe, and thinking that that could also be what happens here. But But we're not going to do that again. We're not going to say those things. You got to think you got a guy like Edmondson on your roster next season. Your defense is going to get better. If it gets worse, then
1: you've got really
0: problems. But you put Hart in a manageable situation if he works out well for you over the next several years again he's going to be 25 in august i think it was that's giving a couple year buffer for cosa to come in now you've got you've got this the slow transition with huso and Hart, then Hart to cosa that's best case scenario will it happen who knows they actually have to make the trade and bring this guy in before anything actually makes sense to what we're talking about but I don't know. I would do it. I absolutely would give him a new start. You solidify your goaltending spot. He's pay, he's under contract from one more year at sub four million. I know that could probably be ch- a little bit steep for some, but at the same time, it's not because he's got numbers that help back it up. He has playoff numbers, even which only Huso can claim, and nobody else really can in this organization outside of like all the brand new players we brought in. That's the 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 trend that we've noticed is. He's bringing in guys that have been there before. Now, granted, Carter Hart's only done it one season, but he had a hell of a playoff run. So, I would I would be all for bringing it. He had a much better run than Huso had. That's the thing is when yeah. you're looking at yep.
2: playoff ex- experience, Huso has that playoff experience. Huso was not good in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, Philly Philly's run in 1920, 14 games, two two three goals against, and a nine two six say percentage.
2: But you can't ask for more from a guy who who at that time was like 19 years old or 20 years old. So if you look at it, if you look at it, I think it's it's absolutely worth a shot. And, and again, and I think the other side to it is even if you start splitting time with him and Huso, and he doesn't come back up to that form to have a backup that's a two nine six goals against and a 906 save percentage is, I think, miles ahead of where you are right now.
1: No, I agree. And the thing about it too is it's it's easy to kind of look at it as like, oh, this is going to be a Ned and Huso thing again. But it, it is it is different because, like you guys said, Hart does have like a track record. He's he's been a starter in this league now for three, four years. Whereas both Ned and Huso were coming off of their like breakout year when uh, Asman made the moves. So th- it's maybe a bit more of a safe bet now than it would have been before
0: hart has been the guy since canada junior squads like going back to u18s u20s like he has been the face to watch for goaltendings especially out of canada and if you can bring that into the fold uh, yeah and it'd be sweet if he was actually what is he number 79 bring that over let's see it for sure Carter Hart right now is signed for one more season
2: at $3.979 million. After that, Do it. he is still an RFA. So if you bring him in and he performs well, you could probably give him a contract around the same. If he underperforms, you may be able to cut that down a little bit. And again, you need to come up to the cap floor this next season. So uh, Devin, what else is, is on your list for kind of offseason moves that you could potentially see the wings making?
1: It's tricky because I think that um, one of the things that I didn't like about their offseason this past year is that they brought, brought in so many guys and it was like, oh, well, I thought all these prospects were going to get a chance. I thought Bergen was going to play. I thought Edvinson was going to play. And while I do think it's good that you know they had to earn their way up and Bergman certainly did, um, I think that even, even more so heading into next year, they need to leave room for these guys to, to have spots. Um, so I think that I, I like your idea of bringing in somebody who's big, but also somebody who can produce. Um, I also think they may need to bring in a body on defense. Maybe not somebody who's going to play every night, but just somebody who's going to be better as a seven-eight guy, better than Lindstrom, better than Haig, um, and that goalie. I, I honestly think if if they only do one thing this offseason, it's they really need to find somebody to tandem with Huso, not just spell Huso tandem with him. Um, but yeah, I, I think they need to get more physical. I think they need to get more skilled and ultimately they just need to raise their skill level. They're they're You can tell they're moving in the right direction and a lot of their additions were good, but you can clearly see, especially over the last couple of weeks where their, um, where their deficiencies are. And one of them is their size and their ability to
0: bully other teams and not get bullied by other teams. I'm not even necessarily looking for a guy that's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I just want guys that have some weight to them or, and actually know how to use the weight that they have. Because you look, look at a guy like Brad Marchand. He's a fucking pest. But he can hit you and he can get into you. That It's the fire that I think that a lot of Wings players are catching flack for when you look at the, Ottawa, the two-game Ottawa set is no one had a reaction. There's a few guys that could actually go out and maybe put a body on. We saw Mo getting fired up, Wallman getting fired up. But it's usually the same one or two guys. And then it kind of eh, dives off. I, I get why most aren't trying to because they don't want to get a penalty. Because we saw that happen with Perron several times in those, that two game set. He got the emotions took over. He did something stupid. So it's, it's knowing where to pick and choose those battles. Like I'm going to re- reference a Marchand again. Burt could kind of do it, but at the same time, he didn't really he didn't rough it up. He could hit a guy, but then it that would it would kind of stop. There was no impact move. So I mean, Greg, you go back to your Tom Wilson love at this point, and I'm not going to question that at all because he'd be fantastic here. But just an extra level of aggression, I think, is what they need more than anything. and it's not something that's going to happen overnight, obviously. but Maybe when you see Casper come in, we've seen what he's doing in the SHL. He is a, as we like to put it, a shit disturber. Does that type of attitude when he comes to North America, for one, is it going to translate over well, which I think it will? And two, how is that going to rub off on the rest of the team? Because you look at a Brady Kachek, you love to hate him, but he gets his team fired up. His brother's the same way. They're both complete douchebags. But... They score goals, make things happen, get the other team to go into the penalty box. Works out pretty well in their favor. There's several guys in the league that you can point at that and be like, I hate you. But holy f- shit, you're good. Detroit doesn't necessarily have that. If they did, who knows what, how some of these games could go.
2: Yeah, I think the only downside is, is you're right, it's guys who are tough that can also produce points that's what you need you don't need like we talked about a little bit ago you don't need the pure enforcer role is dead in this league ryan reeves can't play hockey i don't know how he still puts on skates every night and gets out there uh he didn't stop their their multi-million dollar player from getting flattened and is now out in in caprizov that didn't happen it wouldn't happen here they're like i say and people give me shit for this but they're not afraid of him you're all going out there to play a game. You've all been hit before. No one is skating around in fear of Ryan Reeves. They're not going to throw down and fight with him, but they're not afraid that if they hit someone that he's going to come after them because now the refs are just going to blow shit down. Like he may do a, get a dirty hit on you, get called for a penalty, and then, hey, you get a power play, but they're not skating around in fear of these people. No one was afraid of Luke Witkowski. No one was afraid of Giovanni
0: Smith. Like, it's no, just there's, there's not people are going to react to it regardless. Exactly. Point. You so, don't have your designated I'm going to fuck you up guy. Anymore.
2: No, no, because it's unnecessary in this league. And in Mac will tell you the same thing. It's unnecessary in this league. But the big and thing that separates that,
0: unlike in the past.
2: Yeah, but the, the big thing that separates the guys from the past, the guys from now and the people like uh, dmac would love to have an enforcer. dMac could score. dmac put up points. Bob Probert was a fantastic hockey player and he beat the shit out of people. So you need something like that's Tom Wilson is today's not necessarily today's Darren McCarty, but the same type of built player is what you a guy who is going to be in your face was going to bring. Sure. And what he looked like he maybe could for a while, but it's today's style today. You need today's DMAC of yesteryear. You need today. And looking at the free agent list, I want to throw up because this list is absolutely terrible. Uh, the biggest name that's still going to be up there, and it all depends on what New Jersey does, is still Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer is going to be the biggest name on this list. People say, "How about Kalorn?" I don't need a what's going to be a 34-year-old Alex Kalorn. It's just not doing it for me. You want old man Bunting, free agent at 27, and the only reason he's putting up those points is because of who he's playing with. I don't need a man who was there when the Bible was written skating for my hockey team. Max Domi is uh, now Dallas could resign Max Domi and Max Domi is having a little bit of a resurgence at 52 points in 64 games. He likes to kind of play aggressive, but he's five foot ten and he's a guy who is going to get worked. Now, could you maybe do that? Because, yeah, he gets under people's skin and we don't necessarily need a fighter. We just need an agitator and a guy who's afraid, not afraid to go to the corners but is what Max Domi is doing now repeatable? Because history tells me it's not. So, I mean, your other guys, Joe Pavelski is is gonna be 39. I mean, he could retire. He probably will retire. Jordan Stahl is going to be 35. Zach Parisi is most likely going to retire. Your other big names, Ryan O'Reilly's 32. He I mean, there's no way Toronto's re-signing him, just broke his finger, he'll be back for playoffs. But not a guy that really does anything for me. You wanna reunite with Tamash Tatar? I don't. So like this list is just, it's not, it's probably the ugliest free agent list I've looked at for a long time, which is why I think Eiserman's gonna need to make trades, which is why I think Eiserman's stocked up on some picks because we don't wanna get rid of our actual picks, but if we could pick some up, we get really good deals and then move toward the the um, move toward the draft and move into the off season toward free agency and see what happens. But this this list is just really ugly. Give me and a
0: qualifying I, offer.
2: Sure. Give me an offer sheet. Let me give, offer give it, give sheet. Me. Get, Let's oh,
0: get weird.
2: Offer sheet Lafreniere. I I don't Alexa Lafreniere or Detroit Red Wing. But I just I, I don't see I don't see anything crazy happening in free agency because just the list is so bad. And Iserman again alluded to the same thing in his interviews. Like he basically said, if you guys looked at the free agent list. And it's just, it's not, it's not good. So you're going to have to make trades. And like Ryan said, this is a time where you, you're going to have, you're going to basically be forced to bring up some of your, your talent from Grand Rapids. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Albert Johansson has been playing the right side in Grand Rapids because what do we lack? Right defensemen. And what do we just give up? Our best right defensemen. So if Johansson, who is ahead of Edmondson, not in development right now, but just in completeness of game. I think he's a guy that can come in, and if he's comfortable playing the right side, you put him on the right, and there's one of your defensive holes. You stick Edmondson at second pair on the left, there's your other defensive hole. If your bottom pair next season is not Ben Sherat Olimara, you're probably having some issues.
0: I think it's uh, Linda that pointed it out, but props to her for mentioning that on Twitter, Lindy Lou 266, William Wallander in Sweden right now has been playing both right and left side. He is a left shot guy, but he has the familiarity with going both ways there. So if he's coming to North America next season with Casper, you have an option. He, the way he can provide some offense. I mean, you look at what Edvinson's done and Sider's done coming through the SHL the last couple of years. He's right there with them. Johansson as well. Like there is potential. And if you've got a guy that's a lefty, I you know Eisnerman made it very clear at the deadline that he wants righties on the right, lefties on the left. But if they know what they're doing on either side, he's open to the idea. You've got a few names there that could, be, could make this a reality
1: there's definitely some names to look forward to in the uh, upcoming draft when it comes to right-handed defensemen. But even if you get one or both or three or four or 10 guys that can play on the right side of the blue line, there are another year or two out. So you got to have somebody who can fill in on that right side. And that's where I think that, you know, the Johanssons and the Wallenders, um, I do think it's kind of, it's it's not a coincidence that they're playing on that offside and uh It's it's a good thing for the Red Wings that they're both looking really good on that offside, too, because they've got all the lefties in the world in that pipeline.
0: So if they're going to, you know, keep most of them, that means some of them have to shift over. Put it into reference. If you're going back to the UFA list for right shot defensemen, you got Mr. Overpaid John Klingberg out there. Never, Ryan, not happening. I'm just saying these are these are your options and I'm going to keep it under 32 I'll go with Uh, next one is going to be Matt Dumba the one that I think most of us despise but he's a solid right shot defenseman I wouldn't be very against it he'd actually be a perfect second pair right defenseman I think he would fit in perfectly
2: here but again what's he going to want that's the, that's the problem. Matt yep. Dumbo is right want now. He's money. making
0: six mil. You got to think that's going to go up. Yep, To at least seven and a half. And then you move down the list. I mean, you're looking at a Justin Hall in Toronto. Scott Mayfield's 30 Troy Stetcher. <laughs> it's tough pickings out there. Connor Clifton's uh, going to be a UFA. He's left, right D uh, from Boston. And then after that, it's not pretty. You got Luke Shen, who just went to Toronto, but he's 33. And then your other UFAs, like, there's not, it's not pretty. So you're going to have to make something happen to try. That's where I say, I'm, I'm, I feel like the offer sheet is going to have to maybe be a thing. If not, maybe we hope that something happens on draft day and we see a trade happen. And Eisenman brings in somebody with one of these picks. That's not a goaltender. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, and I think that's where you, you have to look because, it, like you said, it, it's not a coincidence that he's playing people on their right side because he, again, I'm going to keep going back to Iserman's interview. He's like, I'll play them on their, their offside if they're comfortable playing on their offside. I'd rather have a natural right defenseman. But if they're comfortable playing on their right side and they, they can do it well, I don't have an issue doing it. So he's like, better to fucking get these guys comfortable because we have nothing for right defensemen in the pipeline that is that is close to being anywhere near developed. Now, he he did basically say that Casper is going to be over in North America next season. Didn't mention Wallander, but I think Max uh, alluded to he thinks Wallander will also be over next season in North America, if not in Detroit and Grand Rapids. And it's it's our probably biggest hole. But I think when Iserman looked at the free agents, that's why Mata got re-signed. Because if you didn't re-sign Olimata, he probably would have been one of the best free agents out there on the list. So you lock up the guys you need to lock up. And then, like you said, Ryan, I think I think you got to make a few trades uh, coming in soft offseason. The last thing I want to end tonight with, because we do have a little bit of time, is, I don't know about you guys, but when a player is traded, unless they're like some legacy player that had a huge years with the wings and got them to places they never could be and were an amazing guy...
0: Or was just overall impactful? They're just dead to me,
2: like not dead to me, but like I could care less what they do after they're gone. Like, I I mean, I couldn't care less what they do after they're gone. But people love to bitch. People keep bringing up Verona has two goals. His first goal was a game winning goal. He had another goal uh, the other night for St. Louis, which good for him. Like we said, we wish Jacob Verona the best that he gets it around, he can really turn his game around, that he can play more than 10 games in a season. Those are things we wish for him. I wish no ill will against Vrana, and I hope as a human that he does great in life and with his team. But I don't care if he scores a goal. That's what he does. He's a goal scorer. He's probably going to do that a lot. Please stop saying that Iserman made some kind of huge mistake and that, oh my God, why, worst GM move ever. Why would Iserman ever get let of Verana? Clearly, and we had mentioned it countless times before. There are background things you will never know about. That that relationship was far beyond repair. Because if there was any sliver of hope, Iserman totally would have kept him until the end of the season and help let him figure his shit out. No hope. Hope gone. All hope lost. Please stop. Just stop score watching. Stop sheet watching. If you love Verana, as a player and you want to watch him, fine, great. I'm not going to gatekeep you from loving Verana. Do it. Just don't use it as a reason to bash the Red Wings because it was never going to work. It was never going to work. But just to me, when a player gets traded, I almost stop following them because they're dead to me. I'll follow Bertuzzi for two games. We beat him and that's game over.
1: Two things. One, I would feel a lot more like down about the Verana thing if he had played more than forty games for the Red Wings, thank you. Thank you. You are making the point I was going to make. Love it. Well, like, and, and it's it's weird to say that because he's been a Red Wing for two years, but he's played forty games. That's half a season, um, and he was great when he played. But that's kind of the the whole point I'm making is when he played. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like Giovanni Smith played more games for the Red Wings than Jakub <laughs> did like i i and i don't see people too upset that he's gone i it, it is what it is like you said there's a lot of stuff we're never going to know and there's no point in uh clinging to it and being upset when you know like you said we we will probably never know what really went down um i don't pry over players that spent 40, 40 games with with uh, one team and the other thing about it with uh too is i think just in general is going to be like the biggest what if in like recent memory because like you said the dude scores and he's he was like the the goal scorer for this team um, heading into this season even last season and if things had gone well in the way everyone had hoped he'd probably still be a Red Wing and he'd be leading this team in goals and you know all that good stuff but it didn't happen and it's there's no use in pretending like it would have happened because it didn't and uh, it's it's frustrating it's sad but I will kind of circle back. We played 40 games. What can you do?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's what's it's frustrating because the what if is the exact like the best thing you can use for him. And we have the what if with Anthony Mantha. Like we were so, oh God, and we're seeing that play out in Washington. Oh, it is not great for him and the Capitals fan base is actually, I think, worse than us at this point. But you look at, what verona could do and i think we went on record saying he'd be scoring 40 goals this season that was the best case scenario 40 was the baseline we set the hot take was he's putting up 50 it wasn't out of the realm of possibility if he was for one healthy and two on this roster if he's, if he's going to be around all year because he, his five on five in particular was elite Like there's no way to put it other than that because he was right there with i think what number two behind austin matthews coming into the air so the skill is there we're seeing that in a few short games with st louis but he was on the ice like devin you alluded to it i think it was roughly 50 out of 180 some games that he played in for the red wings he barely surpassed a half season since being acquired that doesn't make me get that upset about him going any, like away from this team. Greg, you mentioned it. We don't know what happened. We can speculate, assume, and wonder all day. Fact of the matter is, Eizerman, unless Eisenman says it or Vrana says it, you can even argue it alone, it's not coming out. We're not going to find out maybe until for another 20, 30 years. When something finally pops up, we can hear and talk about the rumors. There's a plenty of that that goes between the two teams that Verano was with before St. Louis. But again, none of it's officially confirmed. So we don't know. It sucks. Sure. He could have made this team, especially at five on five, much better. But he's gone. Now we go on with it. I hate the only thing I hate about it at this point is that we have to pay him for one more season on a retained salary. That's the only thing that bugs me. We
2: have we we're still paying the dude who's not here, which I mean, Dick Panic
0: drops off this season, so we won't be. What uh Nielsen and half of Advocator, So it's it it makes it worth it.
2: Yeah, I just and again, it's not like saying just leave him like like stop talking about him. no, yeah, just stop trying to blame Iserman for giving
0: up on Verano. When, That's the only thing I'm I'm gonna bitch about. If sure, you're, if you're at Iserman, and there was plenty of people that were doing that, saying that. He mishandled the situation from all intents and purposes. From what we understand, he handled it the best way he possibly
2: could have. The, the way that professionally made the most sense for Verona and for the
0: team. Well, th- then you have the extra layer of bullshit going on that people are blaming Lalone and saying that he lied to folks. Like, what do you expect them to say? Like, he's out of he's like, just say he's being traded. You don't just come out and say we're trading someone unless they have specifically the player has asked for a trade. Like, the coach's job at this point, which, again, you can only assume bridges were probably burned. Verona, the coach, we don't know. But possibly, that was no good anymore. He wasn't on on the roster. It just how it worked out. He came in and made some small impacts in his limited time, but I don't know. Devin? Uh Yeah. I mean,
1: Eisenman said it himself. He said that his he kind of initially intended to just let this play out over the course of the season and then kind of go from there in the offseason. So the fact that, you know, that was his initial intention and then he still ended up moving him for a seventh-round pick in two years from now, I think that tells you all you need to know. If he if if it could have worked out, Eisenman was, Eisenman was willing to let it work out. But it clearly got to the point where he was like, right, we just got to move on. So... I, I don't know. I I know what I take from that, and maybe it's it's the same thing that you guys take from it. Maybe it's not, but um, I don't know. If if I'm willing to make something work, and then I I, I decide I need I, I can't make it work, that means that uh, that situation was beyond repair. So
0: yep. there's yep. there's
1: really no point in in being upset because there there was no alternative where it where where it was gonna work.
0: I mean, I, the only the only caveat I'll give to it is that from folks that I've talked to that were in Grand Rapids. Love the guy. Apparently, he is absolutely fantastic with the fans. So that endearment, I think, right there is what makes it harder for, for many fans to part ways with him, which I, I get it. That's that's perfectly fine. It's just the extra piece that we talked about right before this with blame the coach, blame the GM. Like just because you can make face with the fans and doing what you you have to do there doesn't mean there's more to the story. So, while yes, it sucks that it seems that he was probably, he probably is a great dude. I will never, I don't know him. If, it, if you do know him and you can confirm that, let us know. But I mean, talking to some folks in Grand Rapids, they said whenever he was at, like with the team functions or fan functions, absolutely fantastic to be around. That's what St. Louis is getting. If that's the version of it that, he, that he's going to maintain there, more power to him. Good luck. I'll just say this. You can be great with the fans.
2: That does not mean you're great with your teammates and you're great with your coaching staff.
1: I a hundred percent agree. Um and and just to kind of circle back here kind of halfway, um, Ryan, you 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 sat, you, you mentioned it, you know, Lalone it sure seemed like he was lying to people. But I mean, can we just acknowledge how like how much of an impossible situation coaches are in, especially around that time of year where GMs are making moves that maybe coaches know about, maybe they don't. Like, um, for all, you know, even, even when it's like clear that a player is being scratched for, you know, a trade's coming or whatever, like you said, coaches can't just come out and be like, yeah, we're about to ship him off. They just can't. That's not how it works. Um, so you know, even if he wanted to like be a hundred percent transparent about why on is sitting or what the situation is, you just can't on a professional level, and just like an asset management level too. Um, it, you just can't be 100% transparent. Every single coach in the NHL does the exact same thing. It's not just LaLone. It's John Cooper. It's everybody else in the NHL. It's everyone who's ever coached in this, in this league. Um, has to deal, kind of has to walk that tightrope.
0: Yeah, and, and to piggyback on that even, like I think what we've seen from LaLone this season it has been more transparency from coaching and his reaction game to game than what we've seen through the Blashill years, arguably going back through Babcock. Like we haven't had that level of, for lack of better words, intimacy for what the coach thinks about what the team is doing. But again, I preface that by mentioning that that's what they're doing on the ice, not what's happening off the ice. And Malone and Eiserman, I think, have been very clear from day one throughout the season. Coach is making a decision who's playing, the GM is making the decision who's there. That's where the fine line is being drawn. Verano was a bit of a up the in between there where, yeah, he's in Detroit, but that's because guys were hurt. The roster was doing what they were doing without him. And when he was on the ice, the impact just wasn't there. Now, I get it. You can argue what how his usage was, blah, 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 blah. blah. Doesn't matter. 50 games out of 180.
2: And I think that's a good place to end the episode tonight. Uh, Devin, I want to thank you for coming on, taking your time to sit down and talk with us. I'm sure we will have you on again in the future. Uh, Thank you for writing some great articles over there at the hockey Raiders. but what do you have coming up? Uh, Where can people
1: find you your time to shine? Uh, You can always find me over on Twitter at hockey with Devin. If you, uh, Follow Red Wings Twitter. I'm sure you've seen me once or twice. I tweet a
0: lot. Um, it's otherwise, <laughs> I, I have do my best. Yeah, you, you have some good lettuce going on.
1: <laughs> Appreciate it, boys. Um, otherwise, like you said, yep, I write over at the Hockey Writers. Um, my next article, I'm gonna be looking at that goaltending situation that we kind of talked about. Ooh. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just doing my best to uh, pump out uh, pump out stuff I can be proud of and stuff that hockey town can be proud of too. So follow me over on Twitter, follow my stuff that I write happy to, uh, happy to part to partake in the show with you boys and excited for next time.
2: Awesome. You can follow Ryan online at RD Ryan 33.
0: Ryan, is there anything you would like to say? No, I just wanted to do a clarifying thing for the Devin's, uh, Twitter handle. It's ad hockey with Devin, but it's D E V I N. I know for me, I'd probably spell it. O N. So for those that thank you, thank you. do a default spelling, I wanted to throw that clarity out there.
2: And like we said off the top of the show, Devin's also on a podcast that some people call Grindline. Um it's the Imposter Grindline podcast. Uh, but they uh they also have some video content out there as well. We're we're
1: basically a grindline and a trench coat. That's basically our, <laughs> our brand.
2: <laughs> you're just you're just three ducks standing on, on each other's shoulders in a trench coat. That's all you are. <laughs> Like those damn kids trying to sneak into the movie theaters that apparently happened enough for them to make fun of it. Uh, but you can follow Ryan, like I said, at RDRyan33. You can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We like to thank the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around everywhere. Uh, you can check out our merch online at redbubble.com by searching The Grindline. Go sub to us on YouTube. All our episodes are up there in video format. So go sub. And turn on notifications for when I do the short little videos as well. Congratulations to @hardapplecider on Twitter is the winner of the Berggren jersey giveaway that I just did the drawing for. Uh, we like to thank Vintage Detroit, which is where we will be getting the jersey from. Uh, it's the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Uh, if you use the promo code Grindline on Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get ten percent off your order. If you use the same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you will get twelve percent off your order. But that is going to do us. a uh, do us. God, no, it's not. That wow. is going.
0: That's that one is, way to send it home, Greg. Th-
2: that is going to do it for us tonight. Uh, again, thank you, to Devin, for
0: coming on. But for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Akitan.